0: Sleepless with Charlie. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Sleepless with Charlie, an ASMR style horror podcast where I reach into the darkest, most awful, most shocking corners of the internet, mostly Reddit, and I read soft-spoken renditions of your favorite creepy stories. Today, we are doing the final part, finally, of Godzilla NES, one of my favorite creepypastas of all time. If you have not heard this one before, I have the second part up on this channel. And then the first part is actually on my main channel, Charlie Moo ASMR. Links for everything below, including the Spotify if you are on YouTube, and the YouTube if you are on Spotify. So check out that if you are interested in seeing my other links. So far, we have had bird boobies, we've had angels, demons, video games, probably incorrectly pronounced kaijus, so, <laughs> and there's going to be much more of that in this episode. So without further ado, let's get into the final three parts of Godzilla NES, the thrilling conclusion. Chapter 7, Zenith. And here we are at the final world. I don't like to discuss this part, and it still bothers me very much, but it's something I have to do, so that I can put this behind me. People deserve to know. At this point, I was well aware of the game's unnatural nature, but Zenith was different from the other worlds. While the others were certainly strange and sometimes frightening, the world of Zenith was like a nightmare and I didn't have to go any further than the board screen for an indication that something was wrong with Zenith. The first thing I noticed was the blood-red texture of the board, and the music, which was an eerie, whistling tune. I noticed that I had Solomon and Inguiris back, and I felt better for a second. Then I scrolled over to the right to see who my enemies would be this time. This time, it was Destroya and Ghidorah. But, judging from the icon, it was a different Ghidorah than the original, standing on the ground instead of flying. The grotesquely detailed pinkish-red icon also caught my eye. I couldn't tell what it was supposed to be, and I was afraid to find out. Going back to my side of the board, I decided there wasn't much choice but to do my usual routine, and going to the quiz level before doing anything else. I was not ready for what happened. And his screen cap is very creepy. <sighs> Again, I'll link the story below if you want to see all the images. Um, it is just a black and red screen that says, Get Out, with a bleeding face in the middle. And oh my god, so creepy. I jumped back when this appeared, accompanied by a terribly distorted version of the password theme. It looked as if Face had fallen victim to some terrible glitch. Is this what he meant by, will you miss me? Did he know this would happen? My thoughts were stopped short as I noticed the screen was glitching and seemingly falling apart while I was inactive, so I quickly rushed out. And when I got back to the board, I had somehow gained a new monster. I hadn't even been asked if I wanted one. I tried to select it, and this happened. It just says no. What the hell is going on? The game's behavior was scaring me, and I hadn't even started the levels yet. I couldn't understand why I was randomly given a new character and then denied use of it. But for the time being, there was little that could be done and I viewed the last TV screen. Just a creepy burnt corpse with what looks like fire or lava in the background. Creepy as hell. No animation. No music. Dead. Every instinct I had was telling me to stop playing, to just turn the game off. And something in the game itself might have been trying to warn me as to just how horrible this last world was. But then, every stretch of the way I was compelled to give up. I couldn't do that now, on the last world. Besides, after taunting me with memories of Melissa, I felt the game owed me some answers. I noticed that the first level was a red temple, so I at least would be familiar with the level graphics, if nothing else. I went in with Godzilla, the monster I was most familiar with. Godzilla had been shrunk. The level and score meters had vanished, and the Blue Temple statue faces were back. The music was similar to the Blue Temple also. Strange, haunting vocalizations. I tried to get my spirits up by thinking, well, if this level is like the Blue Temple then that might mean that there are no enemies to deal with. How wrong I was. After a short walk, all of the statue's eyes started glowing, and a pack of the beasts from Shadow Labyrinth came charging into me. Since they were coming from the right of the screen, I had to fight my way through them. This battle greatly tested my reflexes, but thanks to my speed, I plowed through the beasts. They gave off health power-ups after dying which helped recover the damage they had given me. However, as I continued through the hallway, the statue's eyes glowed again, summoning another wave. It seemed to be the same number of them, but I was less prepared this time, and took more damage. I had gone through four of these waves until I reached the end of the hall, where I heat-beamed last monsters over the edge into an abyss. At first, it seemed I had reached a dead end, but after the statue's eyes stopped glowing... A brick path slowly appeared before me. I followed the path, which kept moving towards the right until it stopped at a wall, where I was to go vertically by jumping up ledges. Along the way, I encountered new creatures, and some sort of strange shrine, which had a statue of the hell beast and some other creature I didn't recognize. As I went through, the path took a downward direction. I had to carefully aim my jumps to avoid enemies, which were plentiful in this part of the stage. They didn't have many attacks, but they could easily shove you over the edge off a platform. At the end of this tunnel, there were a few small platforms floating above nothingness. I landed on one towards the left of the screen, and then something came down from above. It looked like the blue angel from the graveyard, except now it was red, and it had a skull face. Any of the pleasant feelings I had from the Blue Angel were not present with this red one, and as it hovered around, its eye sockets started glowing just like the statues, summoning monsters to attack me. Surely this was not the same benevolent being I had encountered before. This must be some kind of imposter. The battle was nerve-wracking, as I started off with nearly half my health and had to deal with multiple opponents, as well as the threat of gravity. To make things even worse, as the Red Angel took damage, some of the panels fell, until only three remained. But my luck had not run out yet. Just when I thought it was over, I struck the Red Angel one more time, and it turned out that one last hit was all it could take. Just as the Red Angel completely disintegrated, the game instantly went back to the Zenith board. I moved Mothra over to the nearest stage from the Red Temple, which seemed to be a garbled mess of letters spelling kill, and began playing. As suspected, all the level graphics were made of jumbled letters, and Mothra, just like Godzilla, was shrunk to half-size. I began to suspect that all the Zenith levels would be like this. The background music was terrible, like if someone put all the sounds an NES was capable of making into a blender and then piecing them back together into a song. I had to turn down the volume because of it. Playing as Mothra made avoiding the enemies easier, but they were nonetheless determined to get me. The first enemies I saw were headless Giggins, and later on there were hybrid monsters pieced together from previous bosses, like the Biolante-headed thing seen above. Five minutes had gone by as I didn't see anything new, and the level shifted into another segment. The music changed from the loud and annoying beeps into something far more ambient and menacing. The level graphics also changed, and now looking like a blood-drenched junkyard. The way everything in this level was read made it sickening to look at. The enemies multiplied in number, never ceasing to follow after me, and became harder and harder to avoid. At the end of the level, the situation reached a climax as the swarms of monsters fused together into one enormous, terrifying hybrid. Once I had gotten through the initial shock, I discovered the way to destroy this thing, constantly shooting eye beams at the Hedora cluster that formed its heads. If you attacked anywhere else, it would regenerate the damage. Even with that knowledge, this was an extremely difficult fight. I'd say it was as hard as fighting the Moon Beast was, if not harder. Its most common attack was lunging forward with its arms, covered with gigan saws and blades. If they touched, it would instantly drain health. When it was over, the remaining monsters collapsed into a heap. Then they, and the ground below them, started to disintegrate and sink towards the bottom of the screen. When I came back to the board, I thought to myself, so far the game has been putting the easiest levels first. If that's the case, how bad will the rest of Zenith be? With two levels down and three to go, my monsters and I had taken our foothold in the world of nightmares that was Zenith. Deciding what action to take next was more tense and difficult than ever before. But ultimately, I had no way of knowing what the next levels would be like, or how well my monsters would be prepared for them, so my only option was to guess. I tried to interpret what the icons of the next levels ahead of me were. The last level before the boss battles was obviously representing some type of volcanic area, with lava and open flames. The middle icon, I still didn't get. Except that it looked fleshy and vaguely like an organ of some kind. Oddly oversized as well. The one I was nearest to, and about to enter next... "'looked like thorny vines covering a puddle of blood. "'I guessed this would be a level with blood rivers, "'like the chase level of dementia. "'As such, I went with Inguiris, "'because due to his rolling move, "'he would have the fastest speed while submerged. "'The level which I call Blood Lake "'looked like I expected. "'Rivers of blood accompanied by thorn-covered vines, "'which were scattered along the sides of the ground. "'The music was rather faint,' but I could hear a distinct drumbeat and a few other instruments, a lot of echoes, and sometimes it sounded like someone hitting a drum underwater. I was disappointed to see that Inguirus was shrunk just as a Godzilla and Mothra had been. Apparently, all the Zenith levels would be like this. I felt less secure with my giant monsters no longer so giant. I walked along without interruption for only a minute until my path reached a dead end. There was a massive gap between the ground I was walking on and the ground to the right of the screen. I would have swam across it and continued walking to the right, but due to the huge mass of brambles in a the way, there was nowhere to go. Two creatures with gliding membranes on their arms and lamprey-like mouths were perched on outstretched vines and screeching at me, much like a crow does to an invader of its territory. Another unnerving display of possible sentience by the creatures of this game if it's even accurate to refer to them as being of the game, that is. I descended into the blood, slowly sinking to the floor. Aquatic enemies were everywhere, and they were hard to avoid. The black shark in particular was very aggressive and hard to deal with, but thankfully I only encountered one. As the scene became more and more crowded, I swam up to the surface to find that it was littered with floating corpses. Creepy but at least they're not a threat. Or so I thought. Until they all sprang to life and leaped on me. They were trying to pull me under, and they were draining my health as they did it. They all attacked as a group, and when I got one off of me, another would jump on me from behind. I had to curl up into a ball and roll for them to loosen their grip. And when they did, I quickly retreated. It wasn't long before I had reached another land path. A note regarding the brambles. You can stand on them, but it causes pain. And you can also destroy some of the vines, but only the thinner ones. I had to destroy multiple vines, as well as dealing with more enemies. I was interrupted by a screen. And it's just a screen, all black, except for the word, mother, in the middle. The screen was only up for about 30 seconds, and then it went back to the level, and I was facing another dead end. And a pregnant humanoid creature being hanged from the top right of the screen by a spine or an umbilical cord. Instantly, the creature's belly was split open from the inside. And as the lower part of its body was ripped apart and fell into the river below, the Blood Lake's boss was revealed. It came flying towards me, making a shrill, hacking scream. I was forced to move back. The bat was a highly mobile boss fast and difficult to hit. As I moved back along the ground, the monster opened its mouth and shot out a barrage of needles. I jumped over them and managed to give it a blow up on the head, and it started flying out of my reach. As the bat was flying, it shot a stream of fire from its eye sockets and started trying to hit me with the flames. I rolled along the ground, which drained my power but put us at equal speed. This cycle repeated around three times until the monster was defeated. With most of my health drained, I went back to the edge of the level and the large bramble vine blocking the exit was now gone. Now, only two levels left to go. Who to send this time? Godzilla, Mothra, and Inguiris had all completed one level, leaving Solomon. And also the mysterious fifth monster. I tried again to access it, but with no luck. I chose to use Godzilla again for the next level, and Solomon for the final one. The second-to-last level was what I refer to as the organic level, which was the most visually unpleasant of them all. Right from the start, I could see that the graphics were freakishly different. The atmosphere was gruesome and foreboding, with the addition of the loud, droning music. I was dreading what I would see in these levels and it was only a few seconds before something appeared. Two hideous... things. It's hard to describe most of this level. Everything had this disturbing, semi-real look to it. Most of the enemies looked halfway between real animals and misshapen lumps of gore with teeth. It's also worth noting that all of them were considerably larger than Godzilla, and although the majority were not very intelligent... Each of them took 30 plus hits to kill due to this it was a better idea to run away from them than to fight but it was never clear exactly what direction to run to while most levels involved going from right to get to the exit the path of this level was primarily going down by walking to the edge of one platform and jumping down to a lower one there was no way to make sure you were going the right way nor any apparent means of getting back up to higher platforms if necessary. Also, certain enemies acted as if they were aware you had to jump down, and would stand at the edge of a lower platform, waiting for you. When this happened, I would have to walk back and wait until the monster would leave. As I went on, I came across platforms stacked above each other, with little space in between, looking like a maze. This meant that I couldn't jump and it made escape from enemies difficult. Thankfully, the only enemies able to fit through these mazes were the four-legged beasts seen at the beginning of the level. Adding to the difficulty were long, tapeworm-esque monsters that would rise themselves up between the platforms and trap you. The only attack they responded to was the heat beam, which would cause them to shrink back down. But this was costing even more power. And I couldn't afford to do without the heat beam for long. While trying to avoid the abominations that dwell in this level, I found out that if you just stand idle in one place for too long, the ground tries to absorb your monster. I think it was about four minutes before the end of this level that it was starting to make me physically sick. The tension was getting to me, and having to take in all these disgusting sights made me want to puke. I nearly did pause the game and look for a bag, but... I was able to hold it together. I also found a trick at the end of the level, though it was too late to do me any real good. If two different species of monster run into each other face to face, they would fight each other and leave me alone. I didn't intentionally cause this, it just happened. Finally, at the end, it was time for another boss fight. It was certainly ugly, but not quite as horrific as I feared it would be. But, more important than dealing with its appearance, was defeating it. And since I had less than half my health bar to start with, there was no room for errors. It was attached to the floor when I first saw it, but after ten hits, it detached from the floor and began floating. It moved fast, and unlike the Blood Lakes boss, he wasn't impeded by any sort of gravity. It was even able to fly through the ground without any collision effect. It used this to its advantage, and would float beneath the ground and spring up randomly to bite at you. But it stopped doing this after a few well-aimed kicks to the face. The pink area on its upper jaw was a weak point. Too many hits there, and it would cause it to spasm uncontrollably. The new strategy was to rapidly float up and down while moving back and forth across the stage, trying to constantly keep its jaws aimed towards me. Health was getting critical at this point, and I spammed the heat beam, from which it had no defense. In the last stretch of the battle, the monster had lost its mind, rapidly rushing back and forth and gnashing its jaws. I had to duck under it, and then strike when its back was turned. Twenty more hits, and it was destroyed. One last level to go, and then it was down to one last level. I didn't hesitate. I selected Solomon and entered, perhaps a little too fast. This last level was definitely the peak of disconnect between what the NES was graphically capable of and what this game could create. The music also caught my attention. It was one of the only songs that appeared more than once, the horrible screeching from when the hell beast appeared in the graveyard. As soon as I started, there was already an enemy prepared to attack, A centaur wielding a whip. And it wasn't alone. When I started fighting, several more centaurs appeared. Coming from both sides of the screen at the same time, it was too much to handle. Solomon's flight saved me from taking too much damage at the start of the level. The centaurs followed after, but seemed unable to jump. After escaping the centaurs, I noticed gaps in the ground. While trying to avoid the jumping sword-mouthed enemies in mid-flight, I got close to the surface of the lava, and a creature emerged and tried to grab me. It didn't succeed, but I was startled. Careful maneuvering would be needed to avoid instant death here. As new enemies appeared, the level soon became very difficult. A lot of the trouble came from the stocky red demons that stood on top of tall, narrow mountains and spewed fire. I got by them by waiting till their back was turned, and hitting them with a flying kick, which made them fall into the lava. It was at this time I noticed that I wasn't gaining any help from killing enemies. Not all the ground was stable. At one point, the ground was reduced to small chunks that slowly drifted towards the right. Some of them would sink into the lava upon landing on them, and there was no way to tell which ones would sink and which would not. Being so close to the lava added the threat of the lava creatures, and this was very frustrating. I was also feeling very hot, which made concentrating hard. If you've ever had a heat rash, it felt similar to that. I had to periodically stop for water because of it. This was almost certainly due to the game, and not my imagination, but I kept pushing the thought out of my head. I didn't want to think about it. At the end of the stage, I encountered the boss, rising from the lava, its arrival noted with an ungodly howling roar. When it walked onto the land, I saw how gigantic it was, several times the size of Solomon. I was about to fly up and attack it, when it opened its mouth and let out a huge blast of fire. I had to fly to dodge the flames, and then get close enough to the boss to fire a heat beam at its face, causing it to stumble backwards. If it didn't stumble backwards, it would have kept moving left until it forced Solomon into the lava, as there was no more ground within reach. The beast had the weight between uses of its fire breath, as it seemed to cause a great deal of energy. I used this time to attack it, but fire wasn't its only weapon, and I had to wary of the monster swatting at me with its clawed hands. As its health decreased, it moved faster. And the battle felt like a tug-of-war between the two monsters over this bridge of land. After about 40 hits, it was defeated, tumbling backwards into the lava from whence it came, and then the final stage had been completed. At last it was down to two bosses, and a final encounter with the hell beast. For some reason, I thought Ghidorah would be easier to beat, so I confronted him first. The classic Ghidorah battle music from the original started up as I was faced against the new King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah was as powerful and unrelenting as ever. He instantly lashed out with gravity beams, which were more damaging than Godzilla's heat beam. It became a struggle of constantly beating Ghidorah at every opportunity to keep him from using his attack. But Ghidorah soon saw through my tactic and started using physical attacks as well. He would strike with each of his necks, knocking me backwards and making it impossible to get close enough to punch him. But I had an idea, to wait for him to lunge with one of his heads, and immediately blast it with the heat beam. It worked, and to my surprise, the heat beam had actually obliterated Ghidorah's middle head. It was only a few seconds before I realized what this would lead to, and sure enough, King Ghidorah was using the power of the glitch to transform into Mecha King Ghidorah. But what really shocked me was a sudden change of music. I had heard it before, but it wasn't from the original NES game. It was from the game Super Godzilla during the Mecha King Ghidorah fight. Mecha King Ghidorah's first attack was its most deadly the Machine Hand. Very similar to Gigan's Saw, it immobilizes the monster and rapidly drains the health bar. Fortunately, before Ghidorah could do a lot of damage, the timer ran out. I would need to defeat Mecha King Ghidorah quickly to prevent him from using the machine hand, so I sent Solomon to fight him. The two monsters were evenly matched in strength, but Solomon was faster, and by slashing and heat-beaming without pause, the cyborg monster soon met its end. With Ghidorah defeated, I was returned to the board, I now outnumbered the enemy by four monsters to one, and victory seemed soon at hand. The base icon had changed to a blood-red color. I could feel hatred emanating from it. I started the fight against Destroya with Ingris, and the music was the same as Ghidorah's. When the fight began, Destroya was in microscopic form. After one hit, it changed into Juvenile, which had few attacks and also dealt with easily. The fight became serious once Destroya entered the aggregate form, gaining the use of large arms in the micro-oxygen beam. Enquiris' roll attack, which had been very useful up until now, was rendered useless by Destroya, constantly attacking me with his large arms when I tried to use it. For this part of the fight, I had to rely on brute strength. Just before the time ran out, Destroya had changed into his flying form, which Inguirus was ill-suited to fight against. Going back in, I fought the flying form with Mothra, which seemed fitting. Mothra was weaker than Inguiris, but was much better equipped to dodge and counter flying Destroyer's attacks, so the fight was in my favor. However, the Mechagodora fight music started playing, and Destroyer changed into his final form sooner than expected, which drastically turned the tables. Mothra's attacks were doing very little to Destroya, and I had to move furiously to avoid damage while waiting for the timer to run out. Even though it would be near impossible to beat Destroya with Mothra, I still had three other monsters. Final form Destroya was also very resistant to taking damage, and heavily armored foe would not be defeated without a large fight. In the last part of the fight, I wasn't using much strategy just attacking as brutally and as fast as I could. On its last bar of health, Destroya tried one last counterattack, a beam of energy from its chest. I don't know how powerful it would have been, because just before it could fire, I punched Destroya in the chest cavity, destroying him. And then, that was it. The last kaiju boss was gone. In the midst of all the excitement, I had briefly forgotten there was still one last thing to do before the game would be over. Seeing the icon again hit me like a ton of bricks, and I froze for a few moments. I had come so far to get to this point, but I was terrified. I really did not know what this last encounter was going to be like. Before I could let myself think about it any longer, I moved Godzilla over and began the stage. You're here now. This is the end. Just one last thing, and then it's all over. And when the screen changed, there was nothing. Just Godzilla and a black screen. I walked back and forth, fired a heat beam. Nothing happened until I heard something. The faint sound of a familiar drumbeat. And then the creepy demon appears. Leading us into the next part, the final chapter, part one, chapter eight. Oh dear God, that was my first thought on realizing I would have to fight Red, the creature that tormented me through nearly the whole game. How would I be able to fight something that can kill with one touch? It seemed totally impossible. Thankfully, Red was no longer able to deliver one-hit kills. But despite that, This was still the most difficult battle I've ever faced, in this game or otherwise. If I had any real comprehension of what I was getting into before I started the fight, I would never have done it. I very soon learned what a horrible mistake I had made. Red reached out and clawed at Godzilla. And when those claws cut through him, I felt it. I know that it's common for people to cringe up when their video game character gets hit or loses their life, but that was not it. This was genuine, physical pain. When the pain struck me, I paused the game. I hadn't suffered any actual injuries, but it felt just like my shoulder had been clawed through. I had seen and experienced many unpleasant things at this point, but the game causing me real pain was where I drew the line. Yes, I would be disappointed that I wouldn't get to see the ending, but the risk was no longer worth it. I was about to get up and take one last screenshot and turn off the NES when I realized something else. I couldn't get up. I was paralyzed to my seat. The only muscles I could move were my fingers and thumbs. As his terror set in, a new message appeared on the screen. It says, you are not leaving. I started to scream, but only a weak choking sound was coming out. I desperately tried to get my body to move, but it did nothing. I was looking in every direction, and then I looked over at the computer. Somehow, the computer was taking screenshots of the game on its own when I began the fight. I still don't know how or why. Something the game must have been causing it. Since Red could hear what I was saying, I tried begging for him to let me go. From here, things start to get hazy, as I was under extreme stress at the time. But from what I can remember, I said, "'I'm sorry.' I'm sorry I insulted you. I didn't mean it. I didn't know things would get this serious. Please, just let me go. If you let me go, I promise I will never tell anyone or turn the game on ever again. Please. And Red replied, You pathetic worm. It's too late now. Only one will survive. Only one will survive. The statement could not be any more clear. If I couldn't kill Red, then he would kill me. Like an idiot, I had played around with something I didn't understand, and now it might cost me my life. I stopped struggling to move, and accepted the reality of the situation. There was only one way to get out of this alive. I had to kill Red. It all went by so fast, if it weren't for the screenshots, I might not have remembered any of this. Just like in chase levels, Red moved at a horrifyingly fast speed. There was just barely enough time to process a thought, and thus, there was no time to form a strategy. I had to rely solely on my wits and reflexes. To make things worse, there was no way to predict what kind of attacks Red might use, so I constantly had to be on the offensive and defensive. I felt every hit Godzilla took. They all hurt. I tried so hard to avoid the damage, but every attack that I dodged left me vulnerable to another, and the pain would only get worse. After he jumped over me, Red's eyes started to glow. I moved back as far as I could and ducked, but there was no dodging this one. He blows out a big, flaming fireball in the shape of a skull. When this hit me, I really did scream. I screamed so loud that someone else in the apartment should have heard me, but they didn't. Just looking at the image hurts me, making me remember the incinerating burn. I paused the game because it hurt so bad, but Red unpaused the game to attack me again, which made me furious. I immediately counter-attacked with the heat beam, and again and again and again, until the power meter was totally diminished. I wanted Red to hurt like I did. Just before the timer ran out, Red transitioned into a swimming form. I didn't think the timer would still be affecting a battle like this. I'm thankful for it, because it gave me a few minutes to collect my thoughts and decide what to do next. I chose to fight Red's next two forms with the monsters I had encountered with them, so Anguirus was next. It probably wasn't all that smart of an idea, but it's what I did. I jumped up and heat beamed Red in the face, and he moved off-screen where I couldn't reach him. Then a wave of large mines started to fall from above. I felt this was unfair, so I shouted, If you're going to cheat, then why do you even let me use the controllers? And he says, can't break the rules. And then he came at me, rushing from the top left of the screen downwards. Damn it! Now I wouldn't even be able to see where his next attack was coming from. Red continued to strike from random angles. Constantly moved to swerve around him. Another 40 seconds went by, and Inguirus was nearly gone. But together, we had forced Red into his flying form, so it was Mothra's turn next. Deciding to fight Red with Mothra was a terrible idea. Mothra was instantly overwhelmed by Red, and the life meter was devastated in a mere 15 seconds. And once Mothra's life was down to two bars, Red did something I didn't see coming. He reached out, grabbed Mothra, and ate her. After Mothra was devoured, I felt an agonizing pain, like being crushed to death. Mothra had been killed for my stupidity, and I would share the pain. It was a short transition from the battle to the board, but it felt like an hour. The pain, combined with being unable to move, was driving me insane. I wanted so badly for this to end. I never wanted anything so much. But I still had hope. There was only one monster left that could be brought to full health by engaging Red in battle. Solomon. If any of them had a chance to save my life now, it would be him. Solomon apparently had some history with Red, as when the fight started, this dialogue happened. Traitor. I always hated you. You can die like the rest, says Red. Solomon says. I'd rather die than serve you. Red took me by surprise again by immediately burning me with his demonic fire a second time. As much as it hurt, it actually worked to my advantage. Since Solomon started at full life, he still had some to spare. But now Red had used up all his energy and could not use his ultimate weapon any longer. Now he would die. As he drew close to the end of his life bar, Red turned his whole body to face the screen and flew upwards then slamming back down in an attempt to crush Solomon. When that failed to work, he tried to devour Solomon like he had Mothra, but he wouldn't be eating my monster this time. I thought I had won, but something was wrong. Red wasn't sinking to the bottom, and I still couldn't move. Red was still alive. And he grows and grows, and the background changes to that hell-like landscape from before. And now he's very monstrous and several times the size of Solomon. And he says, I'm not done with you. Leading us to part two of the finale. After his seeming defeat by Solomon, Red had reconstructed his body into his gigantic final form, transporting us to a blazing inferno in the process. It was reminiscent of our first encounter, except now the scenery, much like the true power of Red, had become very real. The music had erupted into a loud, blaring sound, a furious drum of death. Faced against Red's insane amount of health, my own demise was imminent. Solomon was my strongest monster, but not even he stood a chance. It was like trying to fight a mountain. Within seconds, Solomon was overpowered and dropped to the floor when Red crushed him to death underneath his foot. The sadistic demon took his time as he snapped Solomon's vertebrae and ribs like dry, brittle twigs. I could tell he was enjoying our pain. You are weak. Your monsters are weak. You will all die, he says. This is hopeless. I'm a dead man. I had no choice but to send another monster to his death. We were all going to die. I only hoped they would forgive me. After decreasing Red's health by a minuscule amount, Inguirus was also obliterated. Red unleashed a hail of blazing hot needles into his face, until he collapsed. Another moment of unspeakable agony, then nothingness as my ally faded away. You can't win, Zachary. I asked Red how he knew my name, and then he said it. I've known you for a long time. I'll tell you a secret. I killed Melissa. For years, she was being tortured by something nobody understood. Now I knew what it was. Now I understood why I was mocked about Melissa's death, and how the game knew about it. Because he knew about it. Because he was the one responsible. And this time, he was going to kill me. Send your last monster. I will end this futile struggle. I was taken back to the board to send Godzilla to his final stand. Barely anything was left of the board, just Godzilla and Red's icons, and the fifth monster. In the midst of everything that was happening, i had completely forgotten about it. I tried yet again to select it. I cursed, I begged, I screamed at it to do anything, anything to help me, to no avail. There was only one thing to do, and he sent in Godzilla, who then... Gets eaten. I knew Godzilla didn't stand any more of a chance than the rest did. But maybe, maybe now that all the other monsters were gone, the fifth monster might finally awaken. I managed to get the creature's icon selected, and I pressed the A button as fast as I could. The icon started to shake, as if it were desperately trying to move. It was then that Red decided he was done playing fair, and before I could activate the monster... He went for the killing blow, paralyzing my heart. My hand started to become numb and unfeeling, but even as my vision was fading away, I still tried to press the A button. Red surely was breaking one of his rules, but he must have thought that if he could kill me quickly, then it would be too late for any consequences to matter. He would have won. He was wrong. It fades to a black and red game over screen that slowly becomes half-taken over by blue, garbled pixels that seem to be challenging the red pixels. Red's power was being challenged by another force. It prevented him from killing me, and when I regained my vision, I saw a familiar sight. It's the blue angel. It says, "'Zach, we don't have much time.' "'Who are you?' "'You already know me. I am Melissa.' "'What? How is that possible?' Red told me that he killed you. It's true. Even after death, he tortures me. If you can't stop him, he'll do the same to you. But how will I stop him now? I can't fight Red, but there is one who can. I will release him from Red's grasp. Don't give up. I love you. Her words stirred something inside of me. I wasn't going to die like this. And I had more to fight for than just my own life. I had to fight for, to save Melissa and the world she inhabits. With her help, the fifth monster was finally unleashed. Acacius, the golden light. It was time to end this once and for all. Together, we would take this damned hellspawn out of existence. And Red says, they can't save you. Acacius was by far the strongest playable monster in the game. He had to be, if we were to have any chance of surviving. His punch involved turning his hands into blades, which caused tremendous damage. But Red had more than enough life to spare. In the end, this would come down to pure skill. And there's a long battle, lots of screen caps of the two of them duking it out, missing each other, just barely hitting each other. And at the very end, Looks like a case he has only had half a life bar left. With one final strike, Red was destroyed. His body disintegrated and sank below, accompanied by a soar of triumphant music. Slowly, the paralysis wore off, and I was able to stand up again. We had done it. Melissa's death had been avenged, and I felt overwhelming happiness until I remembered all the death and pain that led up to this point all the other monsters who had fought and died. I was about to mourn them, but the game had yet to conclude. And we see, fading away, the golden light fades away to the graveyard scene where the angel is. The silhouettes of all the monsters appear and then they ream of tear lies. Tears of joy streamed down my face and I broke out crying. I cried harder than I have in several years, maybe in my whole life. All I had been through, All I had discovered, and now the game was coming to an end. But before she and the others left, Melissa had something to tell me. You've saved us. We are forever grateful. We'll be together again, someday. And then that text fades away. and goes back to the title screen, Godzilla. And now the epilogue, finally. I am Zachary. And at the time I write this, it has been three weeks since the fateful night when I played the NES Godzilla game. Going back to that night, to immediately after I turned off the NES. Once I was able to start walking around again, the first thing I did was unplug the NES, take out the cartridge, and put them in separate sock drawers. I looked over at the computer. All the screenshots you've seen in the story were saved. I backed up all the images on a flash drive before I turned the computer off, just in case. After that, I hit the bed and instantly passed out. It was not a restful sleep, but one of complete exhaustion. It felt like no time had passed before I awoke again. And what a day that was. The first thought I recall coming to mind was, what the hell happened last night? I thought about it for a short while until it occurred to me to contact the person I got the game from to begin with, Billy. So I called him up, and told him to just come over to my apartment, which he did. And I showed him the screenshots, and gave him a very basic summary of what had happened. At first he thought I was just pulling a joke on him, but he soon realized that was not the case. Once it hit him that this was real, he was speechless. He made it clear that he had absolutely not tampered with the game, and he had no idea about any of this. So then the obvious question was asked to Billy, where did you get it from? I got the simple answer of another friend of mine that I trade games with. He assured me that this was a trustworthy person, and he had never had any issues with games he got from him before. So then Billy called him, but when he told this guy the story, he was as shocked and surprised as anyone, except he abruptly hung up on us. This clearly was going nowhere. Before Billy left that day, he asked me if I wanted him to take the cartridge and dispose of it. I sharply declined. He asked how I could possibly still want to keep the thing. I told him that I needed time to think it over, and that was that. Billy and I haven't talked much since. Even though I told him this isn't the case, I get the impression that Billy thinks that what happened with the game is his fault. After he left that day, I did a lot of thinking. It was very hard for me to do anything else, really. I couldn't stop thinking about the game. There were so many questions left unanswered. What was Red? Was Melissa really in the game? How did she get there? Why did this all happen with this game? But the one question that kept me up for nights was... Red had said he'd known me for a long time. How? Ever since then... I can't shake this feeling of being watched. The game made me ask myself questions about death and reality in ways I never wanted to think about. I'm not too sure of anything else anymore. Constantly thinking about it soon began to have a negative impact on my life. I just didn't care about anything else at this point. By comparison, all other day to day activities seemed utterly pointless. I eventually decided I had to choose between one of two things. Try to play the game again, or destroy it. I tried several times to convince myself to try the former, but I never got farther than plugging the NES back up. Just touching the cartridge made me remember all the pain I felt during the fight with Red. I wondered, if perhaps, playing the game again myself might cause something terrible to happen. I didn't know anything about how this game worked, and it was too risky. I wasn't sure I could stand another round of the game anyway. So then it was time for the other option. Wanting to get some fresh air, I took the game with me and drove to the lake, planning to turn throw it in. I got up to the lake with the cartridge in my hands, and I looked down at it, and I thought of Melissa. If what I had experienced in the game was indeed genuine, doing what I did may have been the only way to save her from endless torture. In a way, this warped game might have saved her soul. Damn it! Once that thought came into my head, I knew that I wouldn't be able to destroy it. So I just sat down at a bench, gazing at the lake for about an hour. Ultimately, I decided on a third option, selling the game on eBay. It may be selfish, but I promise you, this has nothing to do with money. I don't care how much or how little I get paid for this game, believe me. It's selfish because I don't want the responsibility of owning this cartridge anymore. I cannot dwell on this forever, and the only way I can deal with this is by putting the game out of my life. So, this brings me to the main reasons I created a summary of these events. First is to record the details while I can remember them, and second is that whoever bids on this game knows what they're getting into. I can't guarantee the safety of anyone who plays the game, or that anything will happen at all. But, to the new owner of the game, remember this. And if you feel as if the game is literally messing with your mind, shut the damn thing off. And it looks like that is the end of the Godzilla creepypasta. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what a classic. What a wild ride, especially those last few chapters just get really, ugh. Oh, and it's kind of heartwarming at the end too with the girlfriend. Oh, I love it so much. I don't know about you guys, but I definitely want to do more cr- classic creepy pastas in the future. Just reading these brings me right back to college or high school for better or worse. Just reading these late at night, with the covers all over my head because it gets too scary. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, If you have any suggestions, comments, anything, feel free to email me at charlimoodbiz, B-I-Z, at hotmail.com. I am available on YouTube as well as Spotify. No matter what platform you're on, I'll include all the links in the description. And if you could like, comment, subscribe, you know, no matter what platform you're on, just any form of interaction really helps. And I really appreciate all the support. That's all for this week, guys. Have a great day. Bye.